Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. Don't forget to like and subscribe and you can also leave us a review. Download the Motormouth app where you can get live race times, exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Welcome to the 14th episode of the Motormouth Podcast and the fourth show of 20. 2020. Uh, alongside me as always, Mr. Harry Benjamin, how are you? Hello, I'm alright, thank you, how are you? Very well, what have you been up to, you theatrical person, you? Uh, yeah, well indeed, uh, I'm fresh from performing 21 musical numbers uh, in one evening, which was uh, stressful to say the least. 21? 21, yes, that was the set list. Yeah. You, you, what, you sung 21 songs? Uh, yes, I, I, I had seven solos. Want to give us a... No, absolutely not. No, my voice is a bit sore this morning, so we'll we'll leave it be, shall we? Darling. Grease is the word, though. I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Um, And then I just got back from Wales for a christening, which is a trek and a half. Uh, And... Uh, I just finished Drive to Survive on Netflix. Yes, I must say, we'll have a chat it about is that. incredible. Yeah, don't give anything t- away. I'm, no. I think, how many... Well, it, well sh- the season's already happened, so it's kind of spoiled already. Well, I'm on number, I think, number five. Okay. I've just, uh, or four maybe, I've done the one where they basically roast Gasly. Yeah, Gasly does get a bit of a, yeah, a hard time. Yeah, yeah. So, here we are. This week, born in, uh, now I've got to get this right, not Dorset, Southampton correct um but Berkshire raised um Jenny Gao is with us she made her break in Formula One in 2010 and you can find her reporting on the likes of the BBC um today she's covered Formula E MotoGP and a host of other sports including rowing and I believe she was a cox herself we'll talk about that later cricket netball women's football and can even be found on um Radio 5 Live's Fighting Talk she's a dare to be different ambassador promoting women in motorsports and has been nominated for best radio documentary of the year with her work on BBC's 
James Hunt special. She received acclaim for producing and presenting a documentary on the BBC to start um, the very worthwhile debate on uh, grid girls, which have now become grid kids. She runs the London Marathon, has an interest in cookery, politics and animals. And did you know she's allergic to milk? Hence the green tea. Yeah. Uh, yes. Welcome, Jenny Gow, to the Motormouth podcast. How are you doing? I'm... I'm almost bored by myself. That was a very long intro. It was. Um, but, uh, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, well, that's you. It's you in a nutshell. We're done. Boring and fascinating. I don't know how I'm you can confuse job. Dorset for Southampton, though. That was... Uh, yeah, so on my notes, I had Dorset yeah. instead of Southampton, which is weird. I, I, actually, that came from Wikipedia. So oh, well, you, there you, you go. There's your first them. mistake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do not copy and paste from Wikipedia. It's first mistake. It's basically my night before copy-paste oh, job. God. Um, <laughs> so let's take it back to those early years. So Southampton born, but Berkshire raised, um, where you moved when you were, I think, about seven years old, if Wikipedia is telling me correctly. Yeah, something like that. So tell us about those early days, your childhood, your growing up. Did, was there any indication that you would go on to become one of the country's leading female broadcasters? I'm still waiting to become one of the country's leading female sports broadcasters. So um, I I always shy away from that because I just do what I love doing. Um, Was there any indication? I suppose the coxing thing was quite a good indication because you have to be quite gobby. Right. You're Mm. basically shouting shouting at other people and telling them what to do. Uh, Maybe I should have been a producer. That would have been more sensible. Yes, because I'm assuming you have a lot of people in your ear that are telling you to say this, do this, go here. That's the dream. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't always happen quite like that, actually. Sometimes there's just silence. (laughs) But most of the time, um, yes, you do have quite a lot of people telling you what to do. And it was obviously sports has always been a passion in general from a young age. Which is weird. Yeah. Because most people say, oh, my parents loved sport and I went to the grounds with what I did there. No. My parents are the least sporty people you can imagine. That is weird. I just fell in love with the competitive nature of sport. And this is is such a... So I will use the word gooba. For those who don't know what the word gooba is, it is someone who... A bit of a nerd, Mm -hmm. but a a nice way of calling someone a nerd. An affectionate term is a gooba. Right. Um, And I I learnt this when I started in F1. Uh, And... I was a total goober. When I used to watch athletics, I used to take note of all of the results. And I have massive watches of paper at home with like the European Championships, World Athletic Championships, all of those, um, especially the rowing side of it. Mm. And um, yeah, I used to take notes on all of them. And that, I think, has led me to taking notes on Formula One because I'm still... Um, am I, am I allowed to say the, the word anal about it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anal. In that context, fine. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, well, save that other bit for later. <laughs> yeah, that, that comes towards the oh, end. Stay tuned. Later. <laughs> Do you are you good at retaining those statistics and that knowledge? Like if you're in front of camera or you're speaking on the radio. Do you have those notes in front of you, or are you quite good at regurgitating stuff that you've picked up over the years? Oh, so I work with Jack Nichols and Jolian Palmer, who are like 12, mm. and they haven't forgotten anything ever. They both have the most analytical minds of anybody I've ever met. So you talk to Jack, yeah. he hardly makes notes because he retains this information. Jolian Palmer can tell you exactly like the results of the MRF race that happened in 2008. It's shocking how much they can retain their information. I'm writing everything down. I have no short-term memory. I'm like a goldfish. Yeah, well, join the club. So, really looking forward to your quiz. 
yeah. really oh, oh, weird. Because yeah. I just be like, well, did that happen? No, you're, you're making it up. You're, yeah, that wasn't me talking. <laughs> it's a hard one, I'll give you that. I mean, actually, oh, I'll, we, we, we were pre-listening it, uh, pre-listening to it before and I went, oh, Tim, I think we that one's actually it. a bit too hard. I think we've got to give her a bit more on that one. Right, <laughs> thanks. Um, okay, that's interesting. So, so are you still very, is it still very much a pen and paper kind of industry when you're running around the pit lane? You are... Nobody else down. uses a pen and paper, I don't think. Really? I have a notebook. I mean, Ted's coined yeah. the phrase of yeah. Ted's uh, yes. notebook, hasn't he? Of course. Um, but I actually have a notebook for every season. I use one notebook per season. In fact, where's my... Hang on. Hang oh, on. So exciting. I haven't... I meant to bring in last year's notebook so that you could see. Sorry, oh. off mic, but this... That's all right. Effect. So this... I've got a new notebook. This Ooh, will be snazzy. my notebook for the year. It's purple. It's A6 which is small. So poor, but um, you can fit it in your pocket. Is that one of those fancy moleskin jobs? No, it's dead cheap. Look, feel. Oh. Got it off uh, internet. It's a Two lovely pounds. shade of purple. It is a nice shade of purple. I haven't had a purple notebook yet. I've had a lot of colours. The snazzy pink one mm-hmm. was uh, a real win with the drivers. Um, so yeah, this this keeps all of my info. I've just realised though, the lines are quite spaced out. Yeah, you're not going to get much drivers, on there. Um, yeah, that's going to be tough. Mm. But so yeah, I have to write everything down because in the pit lane, you can't just grab your laptop. You can't look up on Wikipedia mm. exactly what happened in yep. the you know 2011 Canadian Grand Prix. Know it? Um, so I think we all know that one. Oh come on! <laughs> Please let one of the quiz questions be that. <laughs> have, you, have you ever had that moment though where you think, oh crap, I've completely forgotten everything? Never. 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 That's, a, that's an affirmative. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have it all the time, especially when you have such a, a fluid show as yeah. as the three of us have. Um, we very rarely sit down and plan out exactly what we're going to say, even what our talking points are sometimes, because the nature of our show is mm. that we just get in a room and chat. Yeah. Or we go into the pit lane and chat, whatever it may be. So, yes, there are moments when you're fumbling around in your brain trying to find the word or trying to find a fact and... It, there's nothing there. The cupboard is bare. But I suppose at least you've got the three of you there to rely on. So if someone might have a I bit mean, of a you'd blank, like someone to say jump that, in. Wouldn't you? You'd like to think, like <laughs> us in a room right now, yeah. we've all got each other's backs. But sometimes Jack and Jenny, and I can almost hear them sniggering, going, <laughs> how long can we leave her on this one? I mean, they, we are a very good team of working mm. together. We've got each other's backs. But there is that, come on, let's, let's just stitch the other person up quite a lot of the time. Jolian's taken to uh, broadcasting like a duck to water, isn't he? Only I don't think he needs any more praise. He has come <laughs> into this. Jolian's here to bring everyone down phenomenal. a notch. Yeah. I mean, he is, hand on heart, I think mm. he's the best co-commentator I have ever worked with. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. He brings insight. He's, he's just really good at what he does. And he can flip into lead commentator role as well, which is almost unprecedented for a co-commentator to be able to slip into that lead role. He's a bright guy. Mm. You know, racing, I think we can all say, made it to F1, average in F1? Yeah. He won't mind me saying that. He I had his think. go. He had a rough time, didn't he? Let's he be had honest. a really rough... I gave him a really rough time as well. Um, Was there any awkwardness there? Oh, or so much. <laughs> Every time we get drunk on the road, it comes up. Oh, no. <laughs> it's one of those subjects we very rarely get drunk on the road, I have to say. But when we do, yeah. once or twice a year, it'll go, yeah, Baku. Mm. <laughs> That was fun. Yeah. yeah, we had a big falling out. Um, oh, really? Yeah, in Baku. Um, because I asked him a question he didn't like. Right, yeah. And we have to... That's your job. We yeah. have to do that. I mean, yeah. Ben Hunt, 
Oh, yeah. Um, from The Sun has got loads of grief from Drive to Survive for asking a question. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's our job to ask awkward questions, to make people uncomfortable sometimes. We are not there to be post boys and girls for Formula One. And sometimes you have to go to an awkward place and ask an awkward question. And that may well compromise your supposed friendship, but nobody's really your friend in Formula One. In motorsport, I think it might be the same. I, I'm not 100% sure. But I think, you know, you have to cross the line sometimes. Otherwise, you will you will just be there in marketing. We're not marketeers, we're journalists. Yeah, and you want a reason, you know, there's a reason people, you want people to give a reason for people to go to the BBC coverage or whatever it is that you're doing because you want to be like, you're asking the unique question, you're putting them on the spot, aren't you? I mean... People use the term clickbait a lot nowadays, uh, and especially yeah. if you look at the Mail or the Sun, mm. you know, they go for the big sensationalist headline. It, it's not about that. I think it's about being responsible as a journalist to mm-hmm. yourself and to the coverage. And it's about um, bringing a, a truth to people at home who aren't in your position, mm. especially in the paddock. It's such a privileged place to be, whatever paddock you are in, that you want to, you want to put the listener in that situation as closely as they can you want to ask the questions they want to ask so for me it's it's not about asking a question that will make for a great headline it's about asking the right question at the right time to make sure the people at home have as much information or are finding things fun or excited and enthused and in the end bringing more fans to the sport because that's beneficial for everybody i will get off a soapbox sorry I'm off it now. You're off it? A little bit. Okay. It's still there. <laughs> Never quite goes away. No. <laughs> Do you find it still, like, I'd imagine when you first start out in this industry and when you're put into the deep end of a paddock and you've got to talk to a, a Hamilton or whoever it might be, and you've got, you know you've got to ask an awkward question and you get that sort of nerves and adrenaline kicking through. Do you still get that even now or do you feel like, screw it, I'm just going to ask the question, I'm not worried about it, let's, let's get on with this? Um, no, I think you still you still get it on occasion not as often um but i i am trying to describe it as if you can imagine you're going down a ski jump mm-hmm. and you know what's coming and you can't really stop it and you know the fear is there and and you're aware of that maybe for a whole interview that you know you're gonna at, at the end you're gonna do that big jump yeah um and it's not letting that kind of overtake you so, yeah, the, the first year I did Silverstone for um, F1, I had to interview Schumacher. So that was 2011. Um, and that was that your, what was your first year in Formula One? Was 2011, that, was 2011 was my first year, was, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I did three races in 2011, and then I went full-time in 2012. Right. And Silverstone was one of those. So I also did Canada, which was my first race, and then Hungary. So I picked some real goodies. Yeah. But yes, walking up to the motorhome, knowing that I was going to sit down with, I mean, it's the Michael Schumacher. There aren't, you know, when you're thinking about legends of a sport, there aren't many out there that really take your breath away. Mm. I think anyone would say Michael Schumacher is up there. If you know motorsport, you don't. So, yeah, that was that was nerve wracking. And to start with that was, yeah, full on. Nothing will ever be as hard as, um, as, yeah, hard as that. Yeah, a bit of a baptism of fire. Yeah. Is there, any, is there any interviews that stick in your mind that you think back and think, God, that was a horrible experience, that it was a particularly awkward interview or, you know, something straight after a crash, which I imagine you have to do quite often. But is there, <laughs> is there an individual where you think, I really don't want to go through that again? Um, I think Alonso, Montreal, must have been 2012. Um, and 
Montreal was really strange. They kind of had these tents at the back of the garages that were additional storage for tyres and all of that gubbins. Um, and he, gubbins are really, I know, I'm sorry. The language, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> um, he was really cross that he'd crashed out of the race and he'd mm. lost his front wing. It was all a bit of a mess. And um, he slammed the door open and the door actually hit my hand. And I've still got the scar to this day on my hand of where it hit me because it kind of cut me a little bit. But he kept his helmet on. He was not speaking to anybody. And you always know, don't you? That's the sign. Um, so that was an interview that never was an interview because really he should have spoken to us, but he wasn't going to. Mm. So it's a bit like, you know, Vettel, Montreal mm. uh, last year, the interview that never happened. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's quite memorable. Um, a, g- a good one, I'll flip it around because I always like to come as positive as I can, I suppose. Uh, Hamilton in, uh, it would have been his first year at Mercedes in Brazil. And I once a year I get to sit down with Lewis and do a feature interview. Um, and it was one of my first with him. Um, we were sitting in this very cramped room, a little bit like this actually, yeah. with a tin roof because yeah. it was Sao Paulo. Um, and at the end of... Um, the interview, I switched off my recorder, which is nothing as impressive as this. It's a tiny little recorder. Yeah. And he said, oh, is that it? Is that all, is that all in there, in that box? And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. That's us done. And he said, oh, I think I've told you too much. I shouldn't have said some of that stuff. And I was like, great, bye! <laughs> <laughs> and now, in hindsight, I realise I think he says that after every feature interview to make the journalists feel good about themselves or the presenter. Yeah. I think he's genuinely quite charming yeah. because it, it's in his interest yeah yeah he knows uh, what he's doing yeah if you yeah. go away thinking nailed it then yeah, then yeah you're, you're in a good space aren't you yeah yeah how do you find him I mean I dealt with him a couple of times uh, was it last what year what did you have to do because well, I did some work with um, uh, Mercedes with one of their sponsors and we had to go and interview Lewis for it was with Epsom um, so I was working with Epsom at the time. We had to go and interview Lewis at the factory. And um, he, I'd never met him before and he came up. Um, and I, f- I found him incredibly intense. Like, when, I shook his hand and he gave a proper grip and sort of looked into my soul. Like, it, <laughs> I, I was like, wow, your eyes are really penetrating my head. <laughs> and just found him really intense. But he was such a perfectionist. Like, we had an auto cue going. And he, I don't think he finds reading off an auto cue the easiest thing in the world. It's and he, not. No. <laughs> and he was, he was um, fumbling over a few words and he was so determined to get it right. Like, that we couldn't stop until it was perfect. He was a real perfectionist just doing that. So, uh, you know, you can see why he's such an intense um, incredible driver because he takes everything that seriously doesn't he yeah and he really splits opinion doesn't he he does yeah there isn't really anyone that goes well you know Lewis no Um, and I've always got on you can't say you get on with him really well he's one of the biggest superstars in the world in the sporting arena Um, but we've always kind of had something a connection there the first time I ever met him uh, was to do a feature interview at testing and I didn't know what to expect. And he turned up, I was with my producer and um, we were at the bottom of the steps up into his motorhome and he said, after you ladies. Mm. And I definitely wasn't expecting that because most of the people I'd worked with before then would have just bounded up and left you yeah. for dust mm. and you'd just kind of follow them. Yeah. Um, and, and he gave a great interview. He's a great orator for the sport. He really yeah. is. Do you think in uh, 
general sport, he is underrated as being one of the the all time greats because you always think he gets overlooked for a lot of things. It, you know, because his achievements are spectacular. He is, as you say, one of sport's greatest legends. But he just always seems to fall a little bit below the radar when, he, in, in terms of general sport as well, and, and appealing to fans. I think, I mean, if he was a footballer, oh. would he be one of the biggest sports stars in the world? Quite probably. Yeah. But would he be like Beckham? Whereas when he was playing, he was demonised, he was hated. You know, mm. there were some vicious things that happened yeah. to David Beckham along the way. Um, probably. And after Beckham stopped playing, he mm. became Golden the legend again. that he is now. Yeah. Mm. And I wonder if it'll be like that. While he's still in a car, while he's still driving, while he's still competing... No one will admit what a talent he is. Yeah. But the minute he decides to hang up his helmet, I think everyone will You'll be, be lauded, like, oh, yeah. amazing. But I really don't understand the whole knighthood thing. No. John Surtees never got a knighthood. No. Which I still don't really understand. I, I don't know if there's political things going on. I don't know if they've turned them down. I just don't understand it. But why he is not a knight or hasn't been offered a knighthood, I honestly don't know. Will that, think, will that be a case of once he retires then he'll... Yeah, but why? But then, no, no, that's there the thing, so but that many... just seems like that's the case of it. But then again, you say John Surtees and people like that haven't ever got one. Well, so. has, it, has it been given to other motorsport people? I don't know. Because maybe it's just that yeah, the well, sport is a bit Stewart too... Got? Yeah, his... Oh, yeah, he's he's a... Jackie Stewart's got Night his... Uh, yeah. When did he get his? Long time ago. Is this part uh, of the quiz or...? Uh, you, no. You get a bonus point. Yeah, bonus point. I just... I have a feeling it was probably later than it should have been. But that's just me pure I think you're right. Maybe, you know, later on. But well, well, after Frank Williams retired. obviously has a knighthood. Yeah. I'm yes. not sure when that happened. Why? I mean, if only Jack were here. You picked the he wrong person. He would know. He would know, wouldn't he? He would know. <laughs> He'd look it up on Wikipedia pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we all know Wikipedia's a trusted source. Did, did you see that video when uh, Lewis took Frank out in, a, in oh, the... Honestly. Uh, amazing. I, I genuinely nearly made me cry. Oh. If you haven't seen it, you must watch it. It's brilliant. Um, so Frank takes uh, it's Lewis takes my um, my dad is a as a, a doctor and a surgeon, and he uh, was Frank's or Sir Frank's registrar when uh, he had his his, his accident really? back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. my dad my dad worked under Sid Watkins. Amazing. Um, and uh, well, how do we what did I not tell you this? Yeah, this the first time you and I can host, yeah. yeah. We'll I think it's the first time this. I said it. Oh, god, I don't know that much, but yeah. So, see, he my dad was like, Sid Watkins was like his mentor, or whatever. Um, and used to work for him in, in England and in London, working at various hospitals. And then Sid got you know, went around the world doing uh, doing the motorsport. That's amazing. And then when Sir Frank had his, his accident, um, Sid was obviously quite hands on with that. And my dad was there as well, sort of being a registrar and being sort of the, the, the deputy assistant role in that kind of thing for a little bit before he went on and had further surgery and things like that. That's incredible. Yeah, it's quite oh, incredible, Did he come it? home and tell you? Not at the time, like, no. you'll never guess what happened today. Well, I don't, when it happened, I'm not sure if I was alive. So, okay, uh, young is, person, leave the room yeah. now. <laughs> this is a story from back in the day. Um, but yeah, no, so that's my that's okay. my, that's my my um, claim to sort of half fame. You should get your dad on the next podcast. I do. Um, yeah, to be I fair. I mean, you said you've got a thing in front of you, which means you can, can phone do it someone from again. Heart, I can do it from do home. Do it yeah. Dial him in. Do it now. Dial him in. Yeah, well, that's the only famous person he's ever took. I was going to say, about. is that his top trump? It, yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, no, his other top trump, he was once on an ITV documentary with Adrian Childs. What the hell? No, no, mm. that is not a top trump. Yeah, but trump. he was just into, it was like to, going around like the, the you know, he's a, so he's a neurosurgeon, so he was like the top, the, Adrian Childs was doing some show about the top five neurosurgeons. I have never seen this show since. What's so, his name? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan. 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 Mm. John. Johnny? 
No, absolutely Jay, Jay not. Money. One of the top neurosurgeons in the world. J-Dog. Yeah, well, oh, there we go. Yes, if you go. let's put a nice marketing J-Dog. spin on it. Here we Love go. It. Anyway, that's the tangent there. Hi, Sorry. Dad. Hi, Dad. Hope you're, hope you're listening to it. We learn something new about each other. We do, yeah. He's got an album out. He sings as well. Shush. Well, are you going to do a duet that. for me? Because you both sing. We should record a we duet. A motor mouth. Uh, we need better mics a than this. A motor mouth jingle. A bit of auto-tune as well. We could record a new jingle. Hang on a minute. You said you were singing Grease earlier. Oh, yeah. Okay, which one of you... Danny, and which one's Sandy? Well, you, you've got oh. dark hair and you're tall. So I'd probably be Danny. You're six foot five. five. Yes. I'm six foot. So you're I'm not that small, to be fair. But you're, blo- you're lighter You're lighter haired. I'm the girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I've got the leather jacket. So Tell uh, me more. Oh, God. She's good. Oh, that's that's, like, that's, that's, that's the clip right there the, for oh, the teaser. Small bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's so go I never back made to, it onto Sky. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's coming up in the quiz oh, later. Great. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, if we can dive back a little bit, but go back to you yeah, because sorry. I hate the attention being on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go. So, just pre Formula One, what was your sort of route to getting there in the first place? So, if we go back to sort of university and then how you worked your way up the ranks. Okay, so I dropped out of university. It wasn't for me. Yes, so, so did I. So did I. High five. Woo! Screw High five. Harold. Yes. Uni is a waste of time. Um, and I, I have to do career talks every now and then. I was very kindly oh, yes. invited back to my old school, Piggott, in Walgrave. Um, and I stood there and said, basically, uni isn't great for everybody. Were the teachers like, stop, stop, <laughs> pull back, pull back. <laughs> Why did we get her? Yeah. Um, it's, I think university is great for some people. Like, if you want to be a neurosurgeon, Oh, yeah, you're up. probably going to, yeah. You know, Jonathan had to go to university to get there. Yes. Um, if you want to be a racing driver, Jonathan. not so much. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, although Jolie and Palmer did go to university. Fascinating yeah. fact. Oh. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so I dropped out of university because I didn't like being told what to do. And also I thought that I could probably achieve more by leaving and actually getting practical experience than I yes. could by sitting in a classroom and being told to deconstruct Judge Dredd. Was it, uh, but it was a media related It was, media communications right. um, with a minor in psychology. Okay. Oh, wow. That's a... Yeah. Interesting combination. Well, it goes together really well if you, if you well, think about yeah, it. Yeah. You've got to know the psychology of someone to be able to open them up, to be able to get them to talk, to be able to do a great interview. Anyway, oh, I digress. Did you go to university? <laughs> <laughs> I dropped out, clearly. Um, so, uh, yes, I had fun in Bristol for six months and thought, no, no, not for me. And just went and got real experience mm. working in real companies. So I knew I wanted to do sports journalism and not because uh, I see a diversity issue that in 10 years time I can be one of the you know females in the sport. I just wanted, I loved it. Um, and I didn't know it was motorsport necessarily that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I did lots of different jobs. Um, and m- my first, I suppose, break was um, I got the role as production secretary walking, working on, um, walking and working on sports personality of the century. Oh, right. Wow. So what does that mean when you're a production secretary? So you are in the office calling guests. Right. Um, making sure the logistics are behind it and you're doing all the, the grunt work. Yeah. Um, you're helping do a few research notes. Mm. You're, you're you're as junior as you can get, so you're making a lot of tea and coffee for But people. you thought, this is my foot in the door. It was sports-related. It was in the BBC. It was the television centre. And yeah. I don't know if any of you have been to television centre, but I was talking about it at the weekend. The moment 
you get a job for the BBC is pretty special. And yeah. I still remember exactly where I was. I was in a house that I was sharing in Reading. Um, I got the phone call um, from my to-be boss and he said, you know, we'd like to offer you the job. And I could not believe my luck. Um, I'd done work experience at the BBC for two weeks, unpaid. I was just, you know, whatever I could do, I, I did. And at the end of that period, I had a few job offers. And I was trying to work out which was the best. And I just went for sports personality of the century because let's face it, who wouldn't? You yeah, get to meet yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I did that, I, I took the call, I was delighted. I walked into Television Centre the first time and I could, even now, the hairs Response. on my arm are just mm. going because it's such an incredible privilege to work um, for the BBC, but to walk into that building and know you're now a staff member. Mm. Amazing. Oh, it was just incredible. So anyway, to cut a long story short, did that, met lots of famous people. It was amazing um, and uh, decided though that long term... I didn't really want to be a production secretary, obviously. So my boss sat down with me and said, look, let's look through Ariel, which is the in-house magazine at the BBC at the time. I think it still is. Um, and we looked at all the different jobs around the country that I could potentially go for that would change my career and become a presenter because I knew I wanted to be a journalist and presenter. And um, we found one down in Southampton, which was doing traffic and travel. And that was one of several that I applied for, but I got that one. It worked because I was born in Southampton. Mm -hmm. I had a, a connection with it anyway. Um, and, and that was my break into being on air, I suppose, talent. I mean, not very talent. I hate I, I, doing that traffic word, and travel. Like, talent but is always a, yeah. yeah, my favourite memory from that was when somebody, I'm doing a traffic update, which isn't the easiest thing to do, I have to say, because mm. you've got like 20 seconds. It's seconds. more complicated than it probably seems. You've got to be across all of the problems that might be happening and it's not someone just gives you a script read you do it yourself yeah you do it yourself you're remote from the studios so i was on a jetty in the middle of like the harbour in southampton and i shared it with the guy who did commercial radio as well so he had a very small petition we used to make sure we weren't broadcasting at the same time i'm broadcasting giving an update about you know the isle of Wight and there's some traffic cones or whatever and he walks around he has a large rubbish bin and while i'm broadcasting he tips mm. the entire contents onto my head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there have been lots of hijinks along the way that one still sticks out as um, as one of the the best <laughs> so yeah became, uh, got brought into the main office quite quickly after doing traffic and travel you prove yourself there and then you get sort of sucked up the ladder mm. is that quite a traditional routine like if there's anyone listening who's you know young male or female person that wants to get involved in broadcasting is that the sort of traditional route you know you go in as a researcher or a we're production talking about 100 years ago now so um things might have changed a bit because it's not you know when i started but certainly i remember um katie hill who used to present blue peter she became that's where she is from being a production secretary that's what mm. i wanted to do blue peter yeah i auditioned actually did you yeah got told i looked too young huh. weird huh What's, who knew huh. Wow. I mean, you're both looking at me as if to say too young. Where, well, where, where, like, how long ago was this audition? Just say yes. Have Way got, too young. 21. Have you got a badge? Got no. Paper. I no. have. Oh, what? Yeah. Why are you, you not wearing it? I don't know. I should wear it every day. Every it's, day? It's, uh, it's a white one. It's not the more rare purple one. Oh. That's what, a did you, oh. what did you do? Did you sing? No. <laughs> no. I did a thing with Jamie Chadwick. It comes up on every bloody Jamie podcast. Jamie bloody Chadwick. She's lost hers. What? I had a conversation with her this weekend. She has lost it. She's lost her Blue Peter badge. That, she had a purple one. 
She's an idiot. She, we she did, won't mind me saying that. So um, she might. I'd, it always comes up. We talk about J- Jamie far too much on this podcast because I always bark on about the it. the manager. You know, blah blah blah. Oh yeah, and I remember I, what you saying. We got her this gig with Blue Peter. <laughs> they gave her a purple um, uh, badge, and I was like, "Can I have one?" And they were like, "No." So <laughs> th- I was like really upset because I was obsessed with Blue Peter as a kid and always how, wanted to be a Blue Peter. How old were you at this point? Thirty-seven. Thirty-six. Thirty-five. Okay, so it's not that long oh, ago. Right. Oh, this is recent. You actually yeah. were. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> I was like, oh no, you're really young, obviously. And the guy, the guy at the end of filming. <laughs> I really wanted a badge, and at the end of filming, the guy came up to me, gave me a little wink. I can't remember his name. With the big, he's got a fro, and he gave me. He put his hand in my hand and sort of palmed me this blue Peter badge. Like, you under- haven't enlisted so you, yeah, yeah, that was illegal he, he didn't even say anything and then he just walked off oh. mysterious and that was it because they just they just don't give him out he's a big motorsport fan though yeah, so you're is. onto a winner mm. yeah. yeah he's a nice chap actually. well you should give yours to Jamie it's not going to happen <laughs> in return for her coming on if she comes that. on the podcast yeah. she can have my blue yeah. piece of badge so okay. I, mess- I message her now and tell her well, tell her she we've, we've tried Tim we've says, tried a few times already and right, she's just on. a bit busy woman I'm going to message her now message Jamie. her now so Tim says Tadders. you can have his blue Peter badge Tim says if you come on back if you come, if you on, the come on the podcast he's blue because we've already badge. had her boss we've had Catherine on yeah we've had one of her colleagues Abby yeah uh, and we're just missing her now really so yeah I've sent the message special prize anyway we digress once again do you want me to really fast forward this story? Otherwise, we're going to be here a yes. long time. Go on, then. I'm go just on. lathering on. Yes. The, the long and short of it is, got brought in to do um, uh, other stuff at the BBC. Yeah. Became a sports journalist there. Um, was you know working with Peter Crouch and those sorts of people at the training grounds at Portsmouth, Southampton, and Bournemouth. Um, and then just decided that there wasn't much progression at the BBC, and I was in a hurry to get on with my career, so I left. Uh, the next day, Sam Matterface mm-hmm. gave me a call and said, come and work for me. I was like, yeah, okay, I was going to have the summer off and watch the Olympics, but I'll, I'll do that instead. And yeah, just became a sports presenter and journalist. Someone, you know, bumped into me um, at uh, Bridgewater Speedway and said, oh, do you fancy coming and, you know, being the face of our event in two weeks' time and presenting it? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I've never done long track, but mm-hmm. Let's I'll do it. it. Yeah. And, and that was the start. Brilliant. So it's just random chance meetings yeah. with people. Yeah, it's it's often the way. Uh, there's no automa- There's no set out route, is there? Really, for anybody? Just work hard. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to work hard anymore. Yeah. Like, literally, you speak to any seventeen-year-old, all they want to do is be an Instagram influencer. Yeah. And you've got to work hard. There is no substitute for it. But even doing that, it's not straightforward. You know, you can't just magic up a million followers. Even that has. has you've got to put the work in and the time. Um, listen, motor motorsport historically not so much anymore has been a man's world right um but some of the people we've had on this podcast actually are starting to change that a little bit we've had nikki obviously nikki shields um you've got lee mckenzie um katrin bonmuir who we've had claire williams how do you Jamie say Chad- that surname I, I can say it correctly this one can't katrin bonmuir Muir? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. How did you say it before? I don't even know. Moyer. You said it like Moyer. would say it. Yeah. Yeah. it was, yeah, it was like yeah. a meow. Like a, do you, do I was too you, afraid of her to ask her to begin with, but she's lovely. She's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> she's absolutely bonkers, but is in a Love brilliant it. way. Did you listen to that one? Yes, actually she's I did. I listened to awesome. it on the journey down south. She's oh. so funny. Um, but um, do, have you ever experienced, do, do you feel like it still exists, this whole, it's a man's world, yep. you're a little female doing a man's job get uh, out of here not so much a little female doing a man's role but um, I think I think paddocks can just be quite male mm. they just are yeah um, 
so I think it's a real stretch for people to get out of that way of thinking, especially some of the older generation, mm. who are lovely and they treat you very kindly and nicely, but there is there's no way of avoiding it. People do treat you differently yeah. still. Um, and I'm not saying I want to be treated exactly the same as uh, my male colleagues or whatever, but I think it's a generational thing. Yeah. So I, you know, give it another 20 years. I think we will all be treated the same, but at the moment we're in that crossover period. So I think there is a slight difference. And let's not forget that racing drivers still go out there and risk their lives yeah. for the sport we all love. And there is always going to be an attitude of um, work hard, drive hard, risk everything, play hard. And, you know, if you, you don't have to look back very far, we're talking about 70s, 80s, for it still to be a playboy paddock. Mm -hmm. And yes, we've come forward from that, but there are still people who work there in the 70s and 80s who yeah, have the sure. same mentality. I've never been treated badly in a paddock because I'm female, but there is just that sort of air of privilege around some people. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think I've ever met a female that has that same air of privilege because we've never driven in Formula One yeah. and we don't have that. And they probably don't even realise they're doing it. It's just inherently in them. Yeah. Um, and talk, talking of the sort of, um, you know, the Playboy paddock or, you know, however you want to coin it, um, you, you've been vocal about grid girls in the past. And <laughs> My you, husband you've... is always like, just shut up about that. Stop <laughs> going on about it. Otherwise you'll be like labelled as the person. But and I'm like, oh, it, sorry. It's an interesting <laughs> subject. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, what what did you do at the time when Grid Girls were still there? What did you try and do to to move that process on and bring it up to speed with, with uh, the modern day? So Grid Girls had been a bugbear of mine for quite some time because I'm on the grid um, and I see it week in, week out when I'm on the grid and it doesn't matter which motorsport I was doing. Is there like a what thunderstorm that? outside? I, that was. I felt that. It's coronavirus happening and we just haven't been told everybody else has left the building. Did you feel that? I did. That was this like is the last thing people will hear. That the last broadcast. Well, uh, are we the only people left on earth right now? <laughs> Can I have some anti back gel? <laughs> it's all sold out. There I is some downstairs when we leave. Yeah, I'm taking it when I leave. <laughs> it's the only place you can get some. They'll never Hon notice. Honestly. Uh, oh. Yeah, so um, even on the grid when I was going to like karting events, there'd be quite like busty women. Scantily like, clad. This is weird. It's a karting event for children. Mm. Um, and it just sat very uncomfortably with me as we try and progress everybody's rights within motorsport and you, you must know Tim because you come from a marketing background yeah. it doesn't fit now no it doesn't fit with the marketing strategies of large companies it doesn't fit with the family audience that formula one wants to try and attract so as soon as liberty came in there was an opportunity there to try and change things so i spoke to a few people i came up with a program idea which you know i'm still really proud of um, and I just, I wanted to set out, although I have to be the impartial journalist, I wanted to promote people to try and talk about it and have a discussion. And that's what we did on air. Um, now, I didn't know it at the time, but that programme made its way back into sort of F1 Towers. It was played to some people who are quite responsible, like the decision makers. A couple of, um, a couple of the big brands heard it as well. And decided that although the conversation had already started it was just a way of speeding it up and um yeah the decision came around pretty quickly that grid girls were going to be axed the way that they did it was uh, just really awkward because it highlighted the wrong thing it should have been a positive message it came yeah. out as a negative message mm. um but it's changed and i would say nobody notices no absolutely and it's weird because 
I've only just thought about it now, but thinking back to the coverage when it all came out, there were a load of grid girls who were really pissed off. Yep. But, you know, that's my job. Yeah. You know, I get paid to go and stand on that grid. I want to be there. Yeah. And um, you sort of forget. But now I look back and you're right. You don't, you don't notice. And, and I, I think I got, grid kids is brilliant. I got so much heat. I'm sure. Yeah. I, you can yeah. imagine my Twitter was Blowing just full yeah. of people just saying, I hate you. You know, you've brought an end to motorsport. I love motorsport <sighs> because of boobs. It's like, do you? Do you really love motorsport because of boobs? Am I really doing lots of people out of a job? Yeah. Most people who become a grid girl aren't doing it to be a grid girl. They are doing it because they want to get into motorsport, yeah, yeah, because they yeah. want to become an influencer, because they want to become marketing. Yeah. They're not doing it to... That, that's not the end result. Mm. Yeah. And I always said, if you give them um, a voice to be a brand ambassador, that is totally different. But the girls were getting told not to speak to anybody unless they were spoken to. This is not yeah, the day yeah. and age for that. I'm no. sorry. It was just horrible. They're still around there, aren't they? Some, some, uh, British touring cars, they still have good girls? I, um, I can't recall off the top of my head. I know Formula E definitely don't. They didn't have any from the start. I mean, no. now, yeah. now, like you say, from a marketing perspective, brands just wouldn't tolerate it. You know, the brands that we talk to in, in the day job, um, that it's all about sustainability, green, good practice, equality, you know, they, equality, all of that um, inclusion, inclusion. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they just don't. Well, they wouldn't want to be associated with it. Yeah. Um, so well done, you. Well, I, I'm not going to take credit for it but i'm i'm incredibly proud that i was a a little piece in that so working obviously in formula one it is it must be incredible but you've had the privilege of working at other motorsports as well particularly along the way and also most recently formula e Mm. of course so how was that because obviously you did the the main coverage when it was back on itv uh a couple of years ago now wasn't it Uh, five five, six years ago i know we've aged wow (laughs) um but you were back on the bbc just the weekend just gone yeah so how was that was it good to be back it was lovely to be back i have actually missed working in FE I think it's such a revolutionary series Mm. I think it's really progressive um, and it's a very open championship and it it just is really appealing to a lot of people for a lot of reasons I know it's quiet racing and you know the cars come out and you're you're practicing your links or whatever and you can still practice your Mm. links because it's silent almost Um, but it, it was it was just great to be back, and I'm I was delighted to have been asked to um, present the BBC's coverage. Is that uh, is this a regular thing, or is this just a one off? Uh, so the BBC or... have the rights for two races yes. um, this season. The first one, obviously, tick Marrakesh. The yeah. second one, Rome. Um, the race is due to take place on the fourth of April. Due um, to take a little place. bit coronavirus. Well, hang on yeah. a minute. Let me even. Is it the fourth or the third? Let me just check my. I mean, there's a lot of references. You see, I by the way, it's a bit too close for comfort. Um, so the um, yes, I think Italy have put the ban in place that no one can watch sporting events or do any large gatherings until the third of April. I mean, I'm expecting it to go. I think. I mean, I'm expecting half of. Yeah. my work this year to disappear really? like it's affecting that. everybody isn't oh, it oh that was a very there we go hang on mm-hmm. oh I just licked my fingers that's coronavirus that's the, and on our mic as well oh, oh, oh god's oh, sake no, we're all oh. doomed <laughs> <laughs> sorry goodness sake at the time Dousing of recording gel. we were all alive yes <laughs> rookie coronavirus era <laughs> oh. this is a public health announcement wash yeah. your hands immediately <laughs> well there you go if the wet dries up you can do that uh, <laughs> yeah. I put on my voice yeah <laughs> uh, so um, so well let's talk this there's still a bit more to Formula E and sort of Formula One. Do you have? It must be hard to go. They're, they're very different, so I always hate it when people compare. You cannot compare radio to TV. You can't. You cannot compare writing to broadcasting. They are different entities. They were mm. never meant to be compared against each yeah. other, really. I think 
I think the one issue that I'd bring up is the fact that what is Formula One's long-term plan right now? Because I see Formula E with a long-term plan. I get where they're going. And at the moment, I don't think I understand where Formula One are going. I love it and I'd be happy to, you know, stay as it is forever. But when Lewis goes um, and when we're not driving petrol Mm -hmm. cars, then what is... What is the relevance of it? Yeah. And why will people who are yeah. uh, generation X, Y, and Z, um, what's going to inspire them to get out of their seats and go and watch a Formula One race? I don't know at the moment. And I think nobody knows, which no. is why everybody's going, well, what are we going to do? I wonder if it will become just this sort of historical um, legacy series that you know they're allowed, because of that reason, to race in combustion or semi-combustion engines and, and it just becomes a bit of a blast to the past. But if there's no development yeah. um, aiding uh, cars, on-road cars, which is one of the big points about Formula yeah. 1 right now, is that they Brands what they do yeah. on track helps the automotive industry massively. If you look at the way that they've used the hybrid engine, for example, yeah, the efficiency yeah, yeah. in a Formula efficiency. 1. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's getting into the nitty-gritty, but the efficiency of a hybrid engine now from where it was when it began to now is incredible and that means that hybrid cars on the road use that specific information um formula e has relevance because the battery levels that they're using now if they can do a pit stop recharge of a battery in in formula e within the next three years i think they're trying to target in under 30 seconds well that changes the whole game of driving an electric car Mm. you'll be able mm. to pull into a petrol station Change I use petrol, fill up your battery and drive off you've mm. done a recharge within you, the same yeah. amount of time it would have taken you to fill up your tank then that's changing the industry yeah, yeah. there was a, I can't remember I went to a conference you may have been at it it may have been one, of the, black, it may have been one of the black book <laughs> oh, ones oh I actually might have been yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, they were talking about this is a couple of years ago but even then they were talking about electric vehicles and stuff and they were like it's not going to be that far away that you're driving along the road and the road is recharging your car for you because the road is made up of plates which have little chips in that can recharge yeah, you as yeah. you drive along you know and formula one it's just it's just not relevant and you see even now with brands switching across to formula e you know that people want to be in that space regardless of what you think strong manufacturers as well mm. yeah. yeah um then well we talk, we talk about oh, a lot about already um females come out to the industry let's focus a bit more on, on female racing drivers We've got w series things like we talked about jamie chadwick yeah there's been a couple of female racing drivers in formula e who've had a, a few skirts at it simona de silvestre i think got the longest did you say they've had it. a few skirts at it oh no that's, that's, awkward, not, isn't that's it? awkward isn't it <laughs> oh of course if you got a- oh, actually it's probably more like that one yeah that's the one. Definitely that one. That no, was, applause um, no applause for that. Slow hand clap. <laughs> slow hand clap. Um, what, the, good, the thing is, though, there's only been a few women who, who've had... Simona got a full season. Yes, Catherine Lake. Catherine Lake got a few races. Michaela Caruti got a few races. Um, forgive me if I'm missing anybody. I think that's I am. It. There is that three. It? Is that three. three? Yeah. So, you know... Great, great that they got in there in the first place. But where do you where do you see it lying at the moment? W Series is obviously creating this huge platform and, and really cutting through. Especially, so I'm very excited for the second season of yeah, that. Me too. So, where do you see that in relation to Formula E and Formula One and, and other wider series? I think we're still poles apart when it comes to that, which yeah. is frustrating. Um, you know, I really um, I enjoyed the first season of W. I think there's so much that they can do, so far that they can go, and to get anybody getting their bums on seats in in a car a single seater car is incredible mm. you know people are getting the opportunity to do stuff that they couldn't do previously 
However, I'm not convinced it's addressing the long-term problem. I still think it it needs someone like a Red Bull to come on board and say, right, we are setting up a, a karting academy. Um, karting in, in this country has got ridiculous. It's um, very expensive and they need to find a way of bringing the costs down so they get more bums on seats. It's a percentages game, so you get more girls coming in, you will get more girls rising up through the ranks and being able, with the racecraft that they've learnt in karting, to be good enough to be anybody. Because mm. it's, it's OK, there's a little bit of power involved and power steering is probably the biggest inhibitor to females reaching the top at the moment because an F1 car does not have power steering yet the the lower categories do which is silly mm, yeah that if they get rid of power steering they'll find girls automatically coming up because they'll be able to handle the cars more and yeah. it'll be a more effective judge of what they can do in formula one mm. um but we we are getting more girls interested i'm seeing more girls at racetracks um i still think there's a massive gulf and we're looking at probably people who are being born today maybe um will potentially be able to make it through and really challenge an F1 and you know I feel for the likes of Jamie Chadwick and Alice Powell and all of those girls right now who are doing cracking job they've they've arrived to the game a little late yeah yeah it's um, exactly what we discussed with Catherine is a similar sort of conversation where we felt that this is like you're saying they're just slightly too early to really push on and get into Formula One um, despite being you know obviously extremely quick drivers but perhaps two or three generations mm. behind you know when they start at that early karting stage and you know maybe might be able to get there but like you say i think we're a little way off mm. um, but i think you know catherine acknowledged that didn't she you know she agreed that it's yeah. not they're not at that point yet but you've got to start somewhere and like you say getting bums on seats is the most important thing and increasing participation so and inspiring that person who's yeah. you know just being born in the next couple of years pick, picking up a cart and going yeah um yeah i'm having a little girl in june right, she's so gonna go your job car. she's gonna be the one imagine that Okay. Um, Can we get on the podcast? Wait. <laughs> it's so in it, she, let's say twenty years, twenty years from now, my daughter, unborn daughter, is going to be Formula One world champion. Well, that's on record. There's a. He's going to be champion. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Uh, because my daughter who oh. is now three and a half. Oh, she's yeah, she missed before. the boat. She's missed she the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Load of us with children at the moment. Yeah, who are Arthur. Like, she's got an Arthur. I've that's got an true. Arthur. She's got a boy, yeah. so that's yeah. not going to work. But um, yeah, there's. I think the more females you have generally in a business, in a sport, whatever it may be, the more will feel like they can be part of that. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, let let's see what happens. But I'm I am delighted that you know things are starting to change, yeah. albeit slowly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's the main thing, isn't it? And listen, we don't usually talk techie on here, do we? We we don't really delve into aerodynamics and things like that. We did a little bit with Karun. No. But Shame not like, because I find that really, really turns people on at home. Yeah. Well. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to break oh, our own rule here. Okay. All right, go on then. Well, Make I'm, it interesting. I'm curious as to what you think um, F1 is going to be like in 2021. Um, <laughs> even with our limited aerodynamic knowledge, we know about the rule changes. And um, do, do you see this as a positive, a negative? Do you think it's going to reset the grid? Can we see Mercedes, the, the dark force, eventually being toppled off? Any major rule change like this will see a reading of the order. 
um, because you have these exceptional people in Formula One who are just incredibly bright and they can look through a rule book and they will see the areas which are grey and they'll say, okay, I think we can get the best out of this. We'll put it with that. We'll marry them together and hey, presto, we've got a car. Now, the first time they have track action with that car is either a filming day or the first day of testing. They've never run it on track before. Yeah. They don't really know. I mean, they've got clues from all the testing they've done, how aerodynamically efficient it is, how many points of downforce it's got. They have clues, but they don't really know, and they don't know where anybody else is either. Mm. So I always find Australia utterly fascinating because it's the real gauge that you get of okay how good are these cars and yeah it's a quirky track so sometimes the results are really mixed up compared to you know like a spain or something but it can lull you into a bit of a false sense of security just fascinating so yes i think 2021 will be different the cars will look different obviously Um, it will feel different to everybody however my concern is that the budget cap hasn't come in in time so that you've still got this massive void between the teams that have and the teams that don't so it's like you know Newbury getting through in the FA Cup they won't have the same resources as a Manchester City. And so whilst they're doing brilliantly and they're getting extra money because they're successful and they're having a good year, the longevity of that is limited. Mm -hmm. So I feel like your Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari will predominantly be the top three teams. Mm -hmm. You know, McLaren, great, they've had a good year. After disastrous years... Actually, what is flattering them? What is true? We don't know. So it's going to take huge investment from a company like McLaren to start to try and claw their way back to to a Red Bull. You could get, you know, a brawn year where we get a freakish result because someone's done an amazing job with those results. Look at testing next year if you're a betting person, by the way, because you will get a massive indication of who's done well. And the bookies don't look at it. I shouldn't be endorsing betting, I'm sure. But have a drink, sit down, look at testing (laughs) and work out, okay, I'm going to put all of my money on X because the people that got behind the brawn and Jensen Button made a fortune yeah, because the yeah. bookies don't look at anything until it's too late. Yeah. Uh, let's change it up now. That's the aerodynamic talk out of the way. So yeah, welcome back. Yeah. Um, I didn't even talk about aero. It was brilliant. No, yeah. to be fair. We like um, I think it's time for a game. Yes. Yeah. Monopoly. You wish. Um, Triple pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny Gow, this is our motor mouse game. Uh, it changes every week depending on the guest and it's getting harder each week because it started out with team radio clips and I yeah. get, get guests to basically guess who was saying what. Team radio dries up eventually. Steering wheels, uh, steering <laughs> wheels. So for you, yeah. uh, I've changed up a little bit. Now let me Great. just get my piece of paper here with all my answers on it. So, okay, so this is uh, your first clip. So I think it tells something about the the great minds our team has and uh, for sure it's not an easy thing to you know start um, making it um, and designing it and uh, then actually make it work uh, as it is now and we're still learning about the, the system and, and the potential um, but um, I think in some kind of circumstances it, it can be pretty good but so who is but talking is and what are they talking about so this I'll give you a clue this is very recent from this is from Formula mm. One testing the annoying thing is I know the voice really, really well. 
Uh, that is, see, I thought Kimmy at first, but it's uh, not Kimmy. And then I thought Ericsson, and I'm like, no, that's way off. It's Bottas uh, talking yes. about DAS. So Mercedes, yes. Bottas, DAS. Well done. And that is the dual access steering yes. system. Yes. Wow. Yes. Well done. That wow, was good. That was very, yes. I, I thought you might get Bottas, but I didn't think you might get the DAS. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that is what? Is it still playing? Pretty no, good. it's not. Oh, it is yeah, still yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, he can go on until the end of the show, he just really in the can, background. Yeah. God, um, well, good. okay, that's one in the bag. Uh, let's move on to clip number two. Okay, so for this one, you need to keep in mind who's talking and sort of what, what what's okay. happened. Gee. Yes! Let's go, boys! What did I slap! <laughs> Now, a clue you've just got back from where this takes place. Marrakesh. Okay. Oh, so that would have probably been um, Jean-Éric Verne. Hang on a minute. No, because the French... Yeah, that's not... Um, hmm, hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, I will... <sighs> Gonna have to hurry you. Okay, I'll just go Jean Eric Verne. Um, uh, well, it's. Oh no, this is so stressful. Okay, I'm gonna go Felix da Costa winning in Marrakesh. Well, oh, thank God you went for the second one. That's okay. correct. That is the Costa just celebrating. It was celebrating. the French voice yes, at the end. At the he end. tried to he put a dummy on me. Uh, yeah, no so, Portuguese there. No, exactly. So that is, yeah, da Costa winning in Marrakesh. You gave me a massive clue, in fairness. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I can, sometimes I'm very kind, sometimes I'm very harsh. So, okay. so far, but you're doing very well. So that's two out. Not pissed you off yet. Not that. No, no, no. <laughs> We've got two more to go. Okay. Um, okay, so this one is uh, related to you. Um, can you finish the sentence? Helmet. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no? Not okay. quite, no. Okay. Uh, the, here we go. Now, breaking news just reaching us this morning. BMW Sauber today. <laughs> that, that was, before yes. before I added that in, <laughs> I had to make that long because Tim had just put now breaking news reaching you, and I went that could be anything. Too. I probably right. would have got it actually. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so go on. What do you think? Um, so that's me on Sky Sports News. Um, it's breaking the story that they were pulling out of Formula One. Um, my hair is very short. Yeah, I'm yes. speaking slightly out the side of my mouth, which I tend to do in studio settings. Um, but yes, that was when I um, I was working. Uh, Sky. Yeah, no, correct. That's that's one in the bag the again. Be- the beauty of those days when I had hair and makeup every day. <laughs> you will never understand the joy of this, no, boys. Because you don't need it for radio, do you? <sighs> Is this, uh, who's the top scorer at the moment? Uh, so you've got um, Abby Eaton got three and a half. Okay. Catherine Bonmuir. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I mean, tell me Muir. Sorry, tell Catherine. Me Muir. Tell me Muir. <laughs> Catherine Bonmuir. Got two. So so oh. far, you're. I mean, if you get this right, you're top of the leaderboard. Oh, the next one. Okay. The pressure. The pressure. So, uh, like... uh, okay. So ready for your final clip? Yeah. Let's do it. We're here at Elvington Aerodrome to see an attempt made on the world solo land speed record. What? Uh, so yes, I've I've done the rounds as you can tell. Yeah, um, you really that have. was for the world blind land speed record on a motorbike. Yeah. Um, and he was amazing. Like, totally amazing. How do you even go straight? So I was with Sam Bird the other day at the Virgin Sim. Oh, I yeah. got to go in a sim. Incredible. Amazing. Thank you to them, uh, Formula E, for organising it. We put a blindfold on Sam to see how well he could do. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. Um, it's on the BBC Sport website. You can have a look. He was hopeless. Um, he, he couldn't even get down the start, finish yeah. straight. Yeah. So he went, first of all, he went off into the grandstand on the right-hand side. So next time he obviously overcompensated and went off into a flower bed on the left-hand side. Oh. It is... 
so difficult when someone takes away one of your major faculties yeah. to be able to do anything. That's fascinating and brilliant as well. And, and a new leader. Oh, you, you're the new leader of the Motormouth well uh, leaderboard. You. So now we can pay the uh, applause. So Jenny you Gallagos. You did go easy on me, in fact. <laughs> Well, to be fair, some of them could the be very difficult. And considering, you, well, I was a bit worried when you were like, you've got no short-term memories. I was like, oh, yeah. God, how are you going to do for this? That's all quite long-term memories. That is quite long. That's why I thought, oh, let's play for I that. I thought you were going to play something else, actually, and I'm oh, really yeah. relieved that you didn't. What is the guys going to play? Um, there's a bit, well, there's two pieces of audio. One from Canada 2011. Oh, yes. Where um, my Twitter just went mad. This is quite rude, I'm sorry, but that's me. Um, and I was talking to Colin Farrell. As you do. Who was yes. there. And I went up to him, uh, and it was pouring with rain, obviously, 2011. And I said to him, oh, you know, um, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you? He said, I'm very good. How are you? And I said, I'm just really wet. <laughs> oh, my God. I got back to the press. Why did that one not come up when I was... <laughs> and the other one was talking about... I was looking for um, Manisha Kaltenborn. Oh, yes. On the grid. She was the team principal of Sauber. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling. I've got someone in my ear telling me, right... I mean, you've been on the grid with me. I have, yes. Um, so you know what it's like. It's yeah. Harry, Harry, uh, and you're trying to find somebody, and you've got someone talking in your ear about keep going, blah blah blah. Uh, and I'm walking around, and I can't see her anywhere, and I'm just filling, filling, filling with words. And I said, I was doing this description of what I was seeing, so I was like, and there's you know, Kamui Kobayashi with his shiny cherry red helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I've been on um, innuendo bingo so many yeah. times. Coleman's balls as well. I mean, every time I open yeah. my mouth, filth comes out. Oh, it's not even God. intentional. I wish I'd come up with. I wish I'd I seen that one. I tried to find it. I can't bloody find it. It's really annoying. Oh. We could play it live through there. That's oh, I'm yeah, gonna have to find I mean, it. Add it. I'll do it in the in the post edit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's all just laugh and go. <laughs> Jenny's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. What that was. I remember watching Canada 2011 vividly. I just love the fact that the race went on. I bet you hated it, but the fact that it went on no, for so long. Oh, to be fair, was it, was, that was your first. One, it was saying. my first Yeah, so what race. a baptism of fire. I knew no one in the paddock. Oh. Like, I didn't come into the job as an F1 aficionado. No. I had very few links to the sport. I'd done MotoGP the year previously, so all of my head was just going, don't say riders, don't say riders. All of a sudden, we have a four-hour race with a two-hour rain delay, and we are filling. Yeah. I mean, forget Kamui's shiny red helmet. <laughs> we are talking about, you, you know... Well, <laughs> 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 move on. Um, we are talking about, you know, oh there's a puddle here and someone's just walked through it I was just clutching at straws <laughs> yeah. so hence trying to grab anybody, anybody that I could yeah. uh, I actually went up to um, who I thought was the press officer for Lotus at the time mm. and said do you mind if I speak to Colin because it's, you know I'm really desperate I just need to speak to somebody turns out that was not the <laughs> press officer Andy that Stobart one. it was Actually, Bruno said Oh, God. Oh, no. oh that's awkward. That's stupid eyes. Oh, I mean, oh, dear. I just... The, I mean... <laughs> was he like, yeah, uh, uh, yes? He was really kind about it. I bet he was. He was like, about, yeah. I mean, just go ahead and ask him. I mean, he was curious as to why I was asking. Yeah. <laughs> I think. But, I mean, I, but, I oh, think one so of... One of the things when you're a broadcaster, especially in live broadcasting, is that you can't be precious about the mistakes you make. And mm. if you're a bit stupid about something, you just have to call yourself out and yeah. say, yeah, okay, I was an idiot. But we're all going to have those moments in mm. life where you kind of want the ground to open up and take you away. But the reality is those are the moments that that endear in your mind will always be with you. And if you can't laugh about them, you will 
become over precious yeah. and it could really hurt your soul yeah so yeah. you just have to go okay yeah gotta brush it off I'm a bit of a div yeah, yeah. fine I'm a yeah. goober uh, people will forgive you a goober, a goober. Like I'm gonna use that Listen, <laughs> we haven't got too much longer left Sorry. so we'll fire a, a few quick fire okay. questions at you so tell us what you're rubbish at <laughs> interviewing <laughs> identifying Bruno <laughs> Senna <laughs> um, I'm rubbish at going out to eat because okay. I'm allergic to so many things or oh. I just don't eat so many things so it becomes a real chore god so you're rubbish at eating uh, I can do the, the actual you know thing of eating you can quite you, well you, knife and fork skills how do you okay. find that traveling around the world nightmare and eating and all that better and, now actually because yeah. everyone's like oh vegan um but have you got any pets yes no. yeah i thought you had a dog no dead oh awkward. that's awkward should we just wrap up now <laughs> <laughs> no i have a daughter instead she's feral she's feral enough to be a pet she's fine fe- how old is she <laughs> three and a half isabel it's a nice name brilliant fun um any hidden talents that the public aren't None. aware of? <laughs> Nothing? Can't admit, um, can you can you sing? Can we do a, a, a trio? Um, is that no, the word? No, that is not going to impress people. Um, hidden talents. Um, I can drive quite fast. Okay. That's, that's, that's a talent. That's quite a hidden talent yeah. because I, you know, I don't tell too many people about it. I can't drive very fast in a sim without crashing. That's disappointing. I'm just trying to think if I've got any other hidden talents I mean what little talent I have to you know be quite enthusiastic about so I'm not sure I've got any <laughs> <laughs> let's stick with journalism and broadcasting um, well who would you say then is uh, it could be broadcasting most sport related or otherwise is a hero for you that you, someone you've looked up to over the years oh, so many um, I, I think I'm inspired really easily <laughs> 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 because I'm blown away by so many people and their natural and hidden talents um I think Claire Balding I always looked up to when I was... There are some, some of the old, older broadcasters who I grew up with listening on the radio. And yeah. stuff. I, I had a huge amount of time for them. I just... I think there are so many people that do an amazing job. Like Kate Aidy, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a war correspondent. That was the first oh, wow. gig I wanted in journalism. And then I saw a dead body and thought, maybe not. Mm. So, um, yes, I I've, I've have lots of people who influence my career. Yeah. Should we do the final four? Yeah, let's do it. Shall I kick off? Go for it. Go for it. What's got you excited at the moment? Uh, Frozen 2 coming out on DVD because then I can stop spending a fortune on taking my daughter to the cinema Mm -hmm. um, because she wants to go and see it every other week if not every week and I have to say no it's coming out on DVD so we don't have to go to the cinema anymore so that's exciting does she wear the dress? Uh, no She's not a big fan of dressing up. Oh, fair dues. But, uh, yeah, and she did some broadcasting for me yesterday, which was very exciting as well. Oh? Yeah, she did a remix of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Nice. When's that being released? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) I feel like her vocal talents are other... Still developing. But her microphone technique is fantastic. Oh, good. That's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, And the season. Um, I I still love motorsport. Mm. I'm terrified coronavirus is going to knock out most mm-hmm. of the season. Yes. Um, but at the moment, as things stand, I'm getting on a plane next week. I will fly to Australia. And I don't know who will win the first race. No, that is exciting. So, yeah. You know. um, if not broadcasting, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, I, knew, I knew you'd probably ask this question. And I tried to think about it. Um, probably um, home economy. Which oh, you probably go, what that? is that? What is that, yeah. Um, that is exactly what I'm thinking. So uh, it's making food look good and educating people about food oh. and potential recipe development and things like that. So that's what I wanted to do when I was younger. Um, and That's quite a, a niche some, Yes, it really uh, subject, is. Yeah. Very niche. Um, but I love cooking. And oh, maybe that can be my that could, I was going to say, this I sounds like a hidden talent. I a banana bread than Abby. 
Oh, okay. Can I go with that? I've yeah. never tried hers, but I'm just going to say it because <laughs> no that, one will well, know. That's a bold claim. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a good cook. Yeah. Um, and I would have liked to have gone into some form of cookery. And at the time, I was really fascinated with how they made a roast chicken look so good on the box of mm. a roast chicken because my roast chickens never kind of look like that. Um, and they use creosote. What? Yeah, in the old days. I, I'm not sure they can get away with it anymore. But As in the stuff you paint your fence with? Yes. Oh, so they would creosote the chicken to make it look delicious and golden. And I was fascinated with all of that. So that's... That's is it always is it the food you see on on adverts and things like that? I I, think, I can't remember where I saw it, but they always said it was cold. Never it's never hot. It's always cold. I don't know if that's a factor as well. Or, um, I don't know. Don't know. I mean, how do they make the M and S chicken that they cut open? Or they get turkey steam. at Christmas and the steam Dry ice. comes up. I, I feel like it's yeah, something. It's like, I don't know. I think I feel like I watched a program where they they looked into that once and it, it was like, yeah. yeah, it's all kind of smoke and mirrors. Yes, literally. I mean it. It really yeah. is the magic of food photography yeah. and all of that stuff. Really intrigued me. So so celebrity oh, wow. master chef. Oh. I have actually asked, this is how sad I am, definition of goober, I've actually asked twice to be on Celebrity MasterChef because it would be like a dream come true. Yeah. And that would be awesome. I just never get any response back. So oh. um, I would love to do it. I'm addicted to Australian MasterChef, which I think is probably the best programme on television. Really? I've never watched it. It's, it's long. I mean, it's really... It's a lot more dramatic, I think, as well. a lot more time into it. But they're mm. more talented than our MasterChef professionals, are, yeah. I think. They're incredible. Uh, two questions to go. How much of your success is about luck and right time, right place, and how much do you put down to hard work? Um, none of it's down to luck. All of it is down to me being brilliant. There we go. <laughs> I knew it was. <laughs> Always. But I was that predicting that as the answer. That is rubbish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little bit of both. We're just going to cut that bit there so she sounds yeah. really, <laughs> really conceited, yeah. arrogant. Yeah. I mean, again, Twitter stream is going. Yeah. Yeah. At Jenny Gal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and finally... Oh, no, just go at Nikki Shields. At, the, at Nikki Shields, she'll love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are you scared of, Nikki Shields? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Abby, Catherine, yeah. you name it. Um, what am I scared of? Coronavirus? Yes. Um, I think is the biggest, genuinely, the biggest here at the moment really um because uh, someone wrote an article yesterday highlighting who it would be good for that the moto gp season has been delayed right and who it would be bad for and the simple answer that i wrote back to him and he'd spent a long time crafting this article which was beautifully written and i just said well for anyone that's freelance it's a nightmare and yeah. anyone who's got a job it's great mm. um and that's the reality of it. i'm a freelance broadcaster i'm a jobbing presenter still i think anybody right now who is um freelance no matter what your position is, no matter what your role is, and the industry that you work in is cacking themselves. Yeah, 100%. Because they're like, okay, well, how am I going to pay the bills? If yep. I can't go to work, I can't leave the house, maybe even if I have to self-quarantine for 14 days because I've just gone through, you know, Dubai on the way back from Australia or I've gone to Bahrain or whatever it is. Mm. How am I going to pay the mortgage? And I think it's a genuine fear that a lot of us have right now. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. No, yeah. very four very good answers to the no. final four. Thank you very much. Well, listen, Jenny Gow, we've just about run out of time, but thank you very much for coming to see us here in our little part of London. Um, I'm sure we'll see you in a paddock very soon. Thank you very much for joining us. Jenny Gow, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I don't know how to close the show now. <laughs> I've got no... I've been throwing to next. I don't know. 
Thank you so much for listening and giving up your time for us. We'll be back with another episode soon. If you have missed any of the previous episodes, you can take a hop back in your chosen podcast player and find them all there. And don't forget, there's also loads more content on MMTV and the Motormouth app available to download on any device now. Like, subscribe and review if you feel so inclined. It really helps people to find the podcast. Uh, And you can find us on social media as well. Twitter at Motormouth underscore. Instagram is at Motormouth underscore official. And on Facebook, just search Motormouth. In the meantime, from myself and Tim, we'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 